Welcome to the We've Seen Enough podcast, where we look at the world through the prism of sports. Enjoy the eclectic mix of our personalities as we discuss, debate, and occasionally fight over issues large and small. So as we head to our respective corners, I'm Jim Boyle. And I'm Tom Trevisani. Let's get it on, Jimbo. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 12 of We've Seen Enough podcast. Uh, This is usually a podcast with... uh, my good friend Tommy Trevisani, but Tommy decided he'd move to Maine for some unknown reason. So I am here with, I brought my son Jack Boyle in. Um, and uh, as you can see, uh, Jack is definitely not Tommy. A lot younger and better looking than Tommy is. Uh, so like a, like taller. I said, <laughs> a little bit taller. Doesn't shoot the three as good, though, but taller. Uh, but I like to welcome you guys back. It's been about six months we've been off. They've been redoing the studio that you see here. And Yeah, yeah so why is, why is it not season two? When does season one end? Well, it's still season one because I wanted to get a number. That's a very good question. Now, you know, this is what happens when you bring the younger generation into the show, Tommy. I bring Jack in, and he uh, he decides to argue. But we'll call it season one, episode 12. Maybe we'll change it to season two, episode one, uh, when Tommy gets back. We, because he's subbing in for Tommy, we are also now simulcasting both. Um, we'll be on Spotify plus in on the air on WCTV as well. So, uh, like I said, welcome to Jack. Welcome, everybody, back. Um, you know, it's really important that we, we get this show back running again. Tommy had dis, had developed a really good rapport. But like I said, Tommy moved to Maine, and we have Jack with us now. So, uh, Jack, just so you know, if you've listened to the show, um, it's really been a uh, hodgepodge of uh, information, and Tommy brings a different um, viewpoint than I do to it, and I assume the way that we argue at home that you'll bring a different viewpoint as well. I expect to. You expect to? What am I, the second or third guest? Third guest after uh, Riley and um, Nick? Nick, yeah, so you're guest number three. Well, actually, now you're not even guest. You're like co-host today because there's no guest this And we did, uh, just for everybody's uh, purposes, we did invite Chris Greco and uh, uh, Tommy's son, Justin, and as well as Kevin O'Donnell, Jack's buddies, and guys that we've known for forever here. And only Jack showed up, so we're very proud of Jack to come in. I, I would like to say, Kevin, if we had done this a couple hours later, probably would have been able to make it, but... Uh, He's very upset. But if there's no Tommy T, yeah. So Tommy T is the big draw then, isn't he? That's what I try to tell everybody. But, yeah, like I said, Jay, so, so just real quick, Tommy T, how, how long have you known him? And just what, what's, um, what do you think? What's your impression? I've known Tommy T probably since I was in the fifth grade, which was 2000 and let's say 10. So I've known him for a while. Just a very unique guy. Uh, interesting takes about sports, and I would love to have him in the studio to just get debating with him and arguing with him about Larry Bird, whatever, his seats that he had in the 1986 World Series, just all the stories that he can tell about sports. He's just a very entertaining guy. Yes, and he also coached you uh, some basketball? Yeah, he was an assistant basketball coach for um, my middle school B team that we were on, and just a very interesting character and a fun guy to be around. And how about uh, anything you learned basketball-wise for, for talent? Tommy has the talent for shooting a three and not playing D. Is that true? Yeah, uh, trailer. Um, that's the big one. Pass the ball, J. Trev, trailer, stuff like that. That's what I learned from Tommy T, yeah. Right. So like I said, it's uh, it, it, Jack has the same um, relationship with Tom, Tommy that I do. It's, he, he loves to talk sports. Again, he's not here. So Jack is a viable substitute for him as well. Jack's got a really wide range. He also brings... In reality, he brings also the new generation of Boston sports fan here. Unlike myself, who went through all the misery and trauma, Jack, uh, what's the most traumatic Boston sports memory you have? That's honestly a good question. i got to think about that. The most traumatic Boston sports memory I have? There's not that many. Uh, The one that sticks out is probably 2011, the Red Sox. That's probably my 
worst one. I mean, this year, the Celtics, but it really wasn't super traumatic the way it ended. It just kind of sucked. But if we were to talk about the most traumatic loss I had as a Boston sports fan, it would probably be waking up the morning after that game against the Orioles in 2011 and finding out that they had choked and Tampa had came back against the Yankees. I think Longoria hit a grand slam and the Red Sox didn't make the playoffs. That's it. But then two years later, they won the World Series, so who cares? So then we'll come back to that was most traumatic. I know you're a big Celtic fan and Red Sox fan, first off and foremost. Yes, I'm, I'm trying to think, did the Bruins, uh, I guess. Chicago. I was, I was, that wasn't super traumatic, but the Bruins, they did lose. I remember I was too young, but I do remember, and I was more of a Bruins fan then than I was now, but they lost. A, they had a 3-0 series lead against Philly. Came back, uh, Philly came back, tied it up 3-3, and in Game 7, they had a 3-0 lead and ended up losing that game. Yeah, that uh, Bruins fans, I think, are always traumatized because of what else? Doing? I, I just thought of this one, 2010, Game 7 of the Finals. I don't remember basically anything from those Celtics teams, but I do remember watching that game, and that sucked. And that sucked because it was the Lakers. Oh, got another one. Game 7 against LeBron in 2018 because that was the first time we really kind of we made that run with the young team, and I was really starting to become a huge Celtics fan with those young guys, and I had been following them for a couple of years, and that game sucked because they just couldn't score. That was a fourth quarter, a uh, little bit of a lapse, wasn't it? They they were pretty pretty competitive up until like the third three and a half. I think the quarter. final score was like eighty six to seventy nine. It was competitive the whole game, but they just they couldn't score. I so think LeBron LeBron probably scored half of the Cavs points that game. He probably had forty. They scored eighty six. Lost. We were going to get swept by the Warriors anyways, but it would have been nice to make the finals that year. So then we uh, move forward. So that the uh, the twenty thirteen World Series, um, you got a, you had the opportunity to be at Fenway Park. For, yes, for a lot uh, of those games. I was at uh, four games in that postseason. That was a great experience. I got to see game six of the ALCS, which is where Victorino hit the Grand Slam that sends the World Series. Got to see game six of the World Series, which is obviously when they won. I saw two other games. I did miss the Ortiz home run game, but I had a great experience watching that, actually, at Tommy Trevisani's old house. Tommy Trevisani's old house down here in Wilmington. And that was the uh, late-night game, and I think – a lot of people gave up on the Sox in that moment. I'd like to point out that Tommy T was asleep when David Ortiz hit that grand slam. We'll have to ask him. He probably yeah, doesn't uh, remember. Tommy so, T, the so big baseman. So was Justin. What yeah. about who I, else was there? Chris actually, was there? Actually, I, I, woke, I woke Justin up by clapping when, um, was it, Pedroia would have got a single yep. in front of Ortiz, and I clapped, and then they changed pitchers, and he hit the grand slam, and we went nuts, and we woke up our other friend, Chris, who was supposed to be here today. We're not supposed to be here today, but was invited. Was invited. Yeah. The, the irony of that game is that game I was out in the uh, in the Berkshires with my wife and your sister. We were out hiking, and uh, I was watching that game on the one bed and, and trying to keep as quiet as you can when you have that big moment happen. And you know, it's 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 great that your generations had the opportunity to uh, experience all the good things. And and things went when like when the Celtics lose in the finals last year, it's just sort of like you, you get that far, you expect to win. What's that? What's that feeling like? What expecting to win? I, I, I don't, I don't know what the feelings like because I don't have anything to compare it to. Right. So it's just what I know. I did just think this is going to sound weird because a Boston young guy. My most traumatic Boston sports experiences are actually the Patriots winning the Super Bowls. <laughs> so the Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl when they were up twenty-eight to three, that might be my most traumatic experience as a Boston sports fan. It's more as a Boston sports hater because I, I just can't stand Tom Brady and the Patriots. And the Patriots and Tom Brady. But when we talk about coaches, you do have a lot of respect for Coach Belichick, correct? Yeah, of course. And, of course, I have a lot of respect for Tom Brady, too. But well, You should. He's won seven Super Bowl titles. I think a lot of that stems from, and, again, it's just a, it's a family kind of thing. I was never a big Patriot fan because I grew up in Pennsylvania. 
I was a huge Red Sox fan, a huge Celtic fan. I was never a big Patriot fan. So the Patriots in our house were more your your nana was a huge Patriot fan, uh, and uh, she 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 was the always that that bellwether for us at the house of the Patriots. And then you sort of slid off. I think it was. The, the undefeated season was the, the kicker, wasn't I it? I don't really remember because I, I think I remember, if you guys remember the, um, not to mention his name, but the Ray Rice game um, against Baltimore, I think it was 2009, the Wilker game, when he, the first play of the game he ran, they I think it was a touchback, so I think it was back when they brought the ball to the 20-yard line, so 80-yard touchdown, first play of the game. They got smoked. I think I was still upset then. I don't remember the second Giants Super Bowl, who I was rooting for, but I do remember that Seahawks Super Bowl. Oh, that sucked. Well, that sucked because again, we talk about we're going to talk about later in the show about coaches and their impact on the game, and in, in reality, we can uh, you mentioned there's an opportunity where did the coach or did the talent lose the game, and we t- as we get to that discussion, that'll be good. The next step with uh, being a Red Sox, did you have something else? Uh, well, I was going to say one more thing about that game. That game, just. The game was over. I, the Seahawks had won. The, everyone, the Seahawks had won the game. I remember. So Tommy, Tommy Trevisani's son, Justin. I was we were watching the game with him, and if you ask him what his greatest Boston sports moment is, it would be that Malcolm Butler interception. Yeah, right. Because he's uh, not got many others to root for. Only six Super Bowl. I and and that was the first. That was the first Super Bowl he saw them win and all that, and started the next second step of the dynasty. And if they had lost that Super Bowl, I mean, what, it would have been three straight Super Bowl losses in a row. Over a decade without a Super Bowl, questions would have started to be asked. I, that was the year, earlier in the year, it was the um, on to Cincinnati thing. It looked like everything was falling apart, and 10 years later, and, well, 10 years later, the, the Patriots have fallen, but it seems like Brady can still make the playoffs if he wanted to play this year. Yeah, that was a really, I, I think one of the things I've learned over the course of those 20 years with the Patriots that is different than the Red Sox over the course of 20 years. The Red Sox won four, Patriots won six is the fact that there was always a constant in in Patriots. You always had Belichick. You always had um, Brady as well. But Belichick's ability to adjust to the given the times, and now he doesn't have a quarterback, so now we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, and in that sport, a player can dominate more than, like, in baseball. So, like, if you have – look, Shohei Otani is the best player probably in baseball history, and they might not make the playoffs for, what, the third straight year in a row? With, or it'll be, like, the tenth straight year for them, but his third straight year playing at this level that he's at not making the playoffs. In football, you have a quarterback like Tom Brady, you're going to be in, in contention every year. Just like how, you know, the, the Chiefs for the next 10 years, as long as they have Mahomes healthy, they're going to they're gonna make the playoffs. That's very true. And then with Otani, again, you also have Mike Trout, a generational player too. So the previous generation's generational player is Trout, and this generation's player is Otani. And they, they, they're, they're going to be lucky to sniff the playoffs this year. And you're absolutely right about, again, when we go back to, what impacts games the most and, and how is um, how is a team built and how is a coach built and how does a coach have to do it? That's a, that's a really valid point. So the transition, that to where we are today. So it, uh, we're recording now. This is August 1st, 2023, and we have um, trade deadline day today. So we have our good friend, uh, Hein Bloom, uh, is a general manager of the Red Sox. And both you and I basically have the same kind of understanding feeling about Bloom. Yours is probably a little different than mine. Um, and just to fill everyone in, I am not a big fan. I don't like not having those name players, the players that I, that I love to root for and have. A mishmash, a hodgepodge of players is great. 2021 was really probably unexpected and great. They put a little good stretch on in July. It looks like they're going to compete. 
Uh, is he going to perform? Is he not going to perform? Where do you see this team right now, and, 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 and how do they proceed after the trade deadline? Uh, you you got to ask me that question in, in what, three hours? Cause oh, I can't. you got to speak I, up. So, first off, I always thought the trade deadline used to be on the 31st. Did they? Has that always been on the 1st? Or? It actually used to be like almost on like the 15th. Yeah, it's weird. It's I, don't know. I just remember growing up, I thought it was always on the 31st. But it looks like they're not going to do anything. So, if they don't do anything, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're just going to do what... I guess their their win total over under was seventy eight and a half coming into the season. It's going to be better than that. They'll probably go win eighty four, eighty five games. If they don't do anything and then gear up for next year. But I feel like with Heim Bloom, if I remember when he first came in in twenty twenty happened. Forget that. That was a terrible year. Twenty twenty one happened, and it was a great season. And I remember that off season, we didn't do anything. We let Schwarber go, which ended up being a good idea trying to even think who he signed we signed a couple one-year guys that were actually decent for us last year but we didn't do enough to improve the team going going off of that 2021 year we signed trevor story who didn't help at all but i just remember all the people who were defending high bloom kept telling me at, during that offseason that wait till the next offseason because that's when you know the jd martinez money comes off the xander money comes off the uh, David Price, the $16 million we were still paying him comes off. So wait till this offseason, the, the, the offseason of 2022, which was the one last season leading up to this season. Wait till that offseason, something's going to happen. And nothing happened. And now I'm being told, well, you know what? We actually have to wait till the next offseason, next season. So next season, we should win the division, correct? I, I think correct. I think that you hit the nail on the head with Heim. Heim has done... Uh, I'm going to use the word Bluminati because that's like our favorite word in, in the whole world. But he's he's trying. He's this is his idea of how he's going to build the team, and it, we're in a market that is a major market, not in Tampa. Where in Tampa you can slide, um, you know, these guys in and out. You the, the Changs and the um, Arroyos and the Wangs and the you know who and even Turner coming in has been big for him. But you know, at some point in time, we have to have an, the team needs an identity, and right now be honest with you the team's identity is either him or Alex Cora and that's how I look at it and I and, and whether he makes a move or not at the deadline you know what he did last year was so um, egregious by not getting under salary cap so we lose Xander and JD and our compensation picks are in the fourth round so my my disagreement to him are I, I don't know how well he judges professional I mean uh, major league level talent I think he's doing a good job building the building up the farm system now can he dump those guys off and make the, t the Tyler Glass now trades or the um, James Shields type trades that he's made? Yeah, well, those trades don't come out around too often. Just my thing with High Bloom is it, it just always feels like it's wait next year. It's always feels like it's in the future. Push it out. Wait, wait, wait. While we had guys like you can criticize him. He made some bad moves, but Dombrowski was always about now, now, now. Brought him in, win. We're going to win now. Won the division in 16, 17, and 18. Won the World Series in 2018. With Bloom, it's like just wait, just wait, just wait. I just want to see results. That's 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 my thing. So we'll see what they do. We'll see what they do today. They're not going to do anything. There really isn't anything they can really do to make them a great team. I'd have to look at the standings to see who's in front of them. Because the three, the three wildcard teams, so it's going to be probably going to be either one of Baltimore, Toronto, or, or um, Tampa. Tampa. Two of those will take up a spot. And then you're basically competing against Los Angeles, the Angels, the Astros, the, and the Astros, and the one of the Astros and the Rangers, and can you jump? Can no, you, but it's not even that. I, I mean, that's you can. I mean, they're only two games behind with a lot to play, but it, those. So, so let's two go games through. behind who though? There are two games behind Toronto, who's the third wild card. 
third wild card. Do you think they can jump Toronto, even if they make a big move? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they have the pitching depth to do that as you get further and further in the season. You know, we've seen them use the, the, the opener, we'll call it, the bullpen game, and to some success because he got very lucky. Pavetta did a great job for him. Uh, but do they have the pitching depth to be able to, you know, to grind through, you know, these the games where, like, right now they're getting great pitching. They've lost four games, three games in a row. And they've only scored, like, 12 runs in the three games. So can they under, can they can the pitching keep teams in play? I worry about that. I think the other issue is the Yankees still lurk out there. I know that lineup is horrible. We've talked a lot about it. They still do have the best pitcher in the American League, and they still do have the, one of the top hitters in the American League. And if people if they 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 win five games in a row, they're going to leapfrog at the Red Sox. So now that's another team they have to go over. So I'm not optimistic. It's been a fun July. I mean, the teams you got to give them credit. Devers is a great guy to watch. A good guy to sign long term. He's been fun. Turner, even though I'm, I hate Turner because he took Xander's number, but I should really calm down about that. He's fun. The uh, uh, Yoshida is fun to watch. And then, and then Duran and Cashes have been breath of fresh air as young players, so I guess that is part of the, the Heimblum vision. Those aren't Heimblum guys. He did hold on to them, not trade them, and it's, been, it's worked out because Duran, I think everyone in this town wanted to trade him after last year. He was I couldn't even look at that guy. He's one of my favorite players to watch now. But, yeah, they— I just don't see them. I don't know. I just don't know what they're doing. That's a good way to look at I, it. I really. There's not much to say about the Red Sox. It's, not they're not going to win the World Series this year. So, but but the other thing is, I think the way they played in July has has almost hurt what Heimblum wanted to do. Because what they're going to do now is they're going to do. They're not going to have a direction at the trade deadline. They're going to do what they did last year. They're going to not buy, but they're not going to sell. So they might they might sell like Duval. But then they might trade like some of the same type like level of prospects they get back for Duval for maybe a pitcher, and they really are just not going to totally pick a direction to go in. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, but I don't like the look. So if there's one thing they would do right now, I think the uh, to me the move that Tampa just made to get Cervelli guy, the guy from Cleveland, for a, for a you know uh, a first baseman who we have something like that. Is that the type of move, or do you go after? I, I know this is probably a pie in the sky because Gilbert's on your fantasy team, and Kirby should be on mine, but he's on Chris's. But could you go after a younger, controllable pitcher and throw out, you know, throw out Verdugo, who's got another year of control? Throw out, um, you know, Blaze Jordan. And throw, I want a name. Give me a name of a pitcher because you're naming Verdugo. I would say, I would say, if you could get, if you could get like Gilbert. Okay, you, if you're, you're not if you want him. Gilbert, if you want to get Gilbert, you're going to have to give up one of. You're probably. Honestly, if, if if you call Seattle and you ask for Logan Gilbert, Seattle's going to say, you include Tristan Cash in that trade, or I'm putting the phone down. Gilbert's got, I think, three years of controllability left after this, and he's performing at a top 5-10 to 10 pitcher in the American League in the past two months right now. The, Logan Gilbert, no, that's not happening. If he says to me, i got to include Cashes, his name's written down right away. Because a controllable pitcher, and you, we talk about no, this. No, I, I agree, but I no one's willing. No one's going to be willing to do that, and, and it's more. It'll be more than Cassius. Oh too. no, it'll be more. It'll be Cassius and one or two other prospects that are controllable for them. So again, so that's pie in the sky. That's how you're going to get better. Rick Hill, Rich Hill, even though he just got traded, is not going to make you better per se. You know, um, the Adam Cervalli would have been a great idea for them, and if you gave up Verdugo for him straight up with a one year versus three years, that would have been a good. Idea. I think Bloom has a tendency to to want to be. You know, and I think you made this. There was a tweet or something you read to me where he went from a bottom five um, farm system to a top five farm system. And you said, well, he went from a top five team to a bottom five team. 
I think he's, he's focusing to build the minor league structure and system up. But now is the time, not this year, I think next year is really the time to start to build for the future. So now if you have to trade one of those players to make sure you're ready to go next year, that's what this trade deadline should have been for. And I, and I, I don't see him pulling the trigger on Nick York or, or even Cassius or Duran. He didn't even pull the t- trigger on Duran last year. So well, he's, Durant, he's, Durant had no value last year when, um, in, in the offseason. Durant has a ton of value now because he's got, what, he's going to have four years of controllability after this. And Cassius, obviously, is going to have a ton of value, too, five years of controllability. I, we'll see. He, he did what he's done this year. I didn't think he was going to do. He's bought himself another year. Oh, oh, definitely. I agree with that. And yeah. I thought he'd be gone. I thought this was it. They were going to totally fall on their face, and they haven't. So that's a credit to them. I don't know how they have. I, I do know how they haven't. They've gotten some just outrageously good pitching performances from some people. The back end of their bullpen's good. I saw a stat when they had the lead after the sixth inning. They're like forty-two and two. Do you remember last year? It was like they 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 blew a save every game. It felt like yeah. So they have made improvements, but we'll, we'll see. He did bought himself another year, so we'll see what he does this off season. It's really not worth talking about until until like the, six o'clock tonight. Yeah. It, 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 now that I think about that, what what. What are we going to get at the trade deadline? What are we going to give up? What's going to make this team where it needs to be? It has to get done in the offseason through getting a few free agents and getting maybe making a trade or two and, and getting the team ready. The team isn't built good enough. The roster isn't constructed good enough to win the World Series. You look at the 2018 roster. They had four or five good pitchers. They had a full lineup, great defense. They could run the bases, everything. This team doesn't have they – have, they can hit. They have a good back end of the bullpen, but – they don't have enough pitching to win. Correct. I, I do. And, and I they think play horrible defense. Horrible defense. And they and run the bases horrible. They run the bases Except horrible. for Duran. The other thing I think Himes, Bloom's got to really look at it and say is he's got to trust Alex. He's got to trust Core. Core is what's going to either get you over the – so what do you trade to get to that one-game playoff and then the one-game playoff is a wild card? So that's the thing. Is it is it's for the for the Red Sox fans, for the guy who's 23 years old, who's won four world championships in his 23 years – is it good enough just to make the playoffs, or do we want to be competing for? We want to be competing for the championship for the AL championship to play in the World Series. What's good enough? Is, what's the What's the delimitator between? Oh, we just made the playoffs. Well, is that a successful year or not? We we can we can just look back at look at the 2016 and 2017 Red Sox. The fir- if you look 16, 17, and 18, that's the first time the Red Sox in the history of the Boston Red Sox had won the division three years in a row. In 2018, in they were on a what they won 108 games yeah. even going into that postseason in this town they were still getting trashed on because they fought, fell on their face in the postseason two years before even though the year before they lost to that astros team that i don't care about the cheating was a juggernaut of a right. team and won the world series and the year before that they lost to an indians team that went to extra innings of game seven of the world series so no you gotta win it, it, playoffs don't matter but I, I think people are getting sick of the last place finishes and the not making right. the playoffs the Yankees make the playoffs. The Yankees, I think, they made the playoffs every year since when? Ninety two. No, no, no. Not, not, no, no, no. That's, they missed that's a ro- couple that, times. No, no, no. That's the wrong. Missed, uh, no, no, no. But it's close enough. No, 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 no. no, no I, I said that wrong. They've had an above five hundred record. Right. Since nineteen ninety two, that doesn't cut it. I, uh, forget they won six championships in that span. But U.S. Yankee fans, is the playoffs enough? No. And where the Red Sox are at a point where the playoffs are not enough. You got to, you got to compete for championships. Correct, and they like to go to a, a, a town like Cincinnati or Seattle, who hasn't been to the World Series. Teams like that, or towns like that, making the playoffs. The Angels, if the Angels could just make the playoffs, if Otani can get on the national stage, and the Angels can just make the playoffs, is that good enough? 
And can they be for good them, enough to yes. bring him back? So that's yes. But for us, I mean, whether we're spoiled or not. I, I think it's the Patriots really did this to us in this yeah. town. The success of the Patriots, how it was wake me up in the conference championship. Correct. Wake me up in the AFC championship. Wait, I don't, I don't need to wake me up in the AFC championship. And that was a fair point because every year it would be like the season starts in the AFC championship. They didn't care. So, so that translate all the fans that translate to every team in the town. The Celtics, look at what the Celtics have done the past six, seven years. And it's years. just and, not good enough. And look at what gets right. said about them. It's just, and I yeah. think you're right. It's just not good enough. The team that skates Same with the Bruins. The Bruins, the Bruins, Bruins really been, skate though because the Bruins have this little, little tiny, um, little tiny fandom. Whereas uh, the Celtics and the Red Sox, the Patriots, it's, you know, I think the Bruins could get away with it um, a little bit more. The, 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 Celtic, the Celtics got criticized more than the Bruins did. Oh, definitely, hundred percent, and they always list. will, though they always will, because the Celtics again, you're you, you're expecting, you know, these guys they talk about a great game, blah blah blah, but what you're expecting out of them is that to win it all, and it's not. I think one of the things people realize it's not easy to win it all. Let's go back to 2018. Think about those first two games against the Yankees. First game, Chris Sale come. They a JD hits a three-run home in the top of the in the set, bottom of the first inning. They got a, they got a big lead going in. Sale isn't really effective and good and it gets tight at the end second game sanchez hits a bomb like it's still going uh and now you're tie one one and going back to yankee stadium and almost the, the mentality of the red sox fan was there's no chance they can win this game this series i remember the yankees fans oh they're coming to the bronx zoo there's no chance it's going to be crazy and it's going to be the loudest the new yankee stadium's ever been blah 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 blah, blah. and then severino just... forgot when the game started and it was it was nine to nothing by like the by like the third by the third inning, I, I don't. They scored those runs quick. It was a cruise control after that. It was, it's just like Game Seven in two thousand and four, where Game Six was tense, and Game Seven they just destroyed them. That that's very true. And then Game Four, they just that was a that was a Kimbrough made that a bit more interesting than yeah. it should have been. Yeah, he likes doing that though. And, and again, it's just again that's what we expect these guys to do. So on on that end, you one of the I think. I've seen a ton of moments with the Red Sox. We'll get ready to transition to coaches in a second. So the Red Sox have won four World Championships with three different GMs and three different managers, right? Yep. So the consistency with the Patriots isn't really there with the Red Sox. The Red Sox have to make a decision. Where do they want to go? Who do they want to pay? How do they want to build their team? You know, and, and I look at this team, and we, got, and we have Devers, who's a, who's a well, cornerstone. He has to be. And then Cassius and Duran, everyone, lo- you love when the young players play well. And, and Marcelo Mayer has to, is going to come in, and Sergio Rafian, and Brian Bale. And as these guys get better and better, then the team can form an identity, and then do they do what the Braves did and try to sign these guys to longer-term longer extensions and keep the same unit around for four or five years. Which you got you to hypnotize your players to get them on the contracts. I know that. I know that. I know that. But they got to get that to, to go, because you think about it. In 2018, we had everything on a, from the offensive perspective. We had this, that was a really great unit of four or five guys. And then it's in, within five years, it's gone. Every, every single player on that team is gone, except for Rafa. The difference between us and the Braves is uh, uh, after Mookie's like second, uh, I think it was his second, his second full season in the MLB when he had like uh, 2016, when he finished second in the MVP voting, we went to him for a contract. I think we offered him probably two, 200 million. I don't know what they offered him in 2016. I know the one in, in 2018, the offer that they gave him was 10 years, 300 million, and he countered with 10 years, 420, and that's when it ended with them. But it, it, we offered Mookie, I know, a contract in 2016, and the Braves did that to Acuna. They're the same level of player at that point, and Acuna took it, and they got lucky. So. That's true. We <laughs> would have to get lucky with that. It's, but that's okay. That, it's, Walter under the bridge, we'll have to go like that. 
Um, it's good to talk baseball. Tommy's not a big baseball talker, so it's good. To, I'll have to bring you in and talk baseball more and, and have him fight I, with that. I, 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 Tom, I don't think Tommy D could name four Red Sox players right now. He probably couldn't. I, I don't know. Four if, might be. I don't uh, know about three. I, I'm wondering if your mom can name four Red that Sox players. Can, I know. You never know if she can. Because they, 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 that's the thing I don't like. I mean, I have to be honest with you. You know, I've been a Red Sox. I'm, I've been a Red Sox fan for what, 55 years, 54 years, and. You know, every year I think back, who are the guys I identified with and I like to see and I like to play? And you go from Yaz to Rice to Greenwell to Clemens to Martinez to Nomar to Pete, uh, Pete, uh, Petey and then to David Ortiz. And, and, then, and then we get to the Mookie and the Xander, and all of a sudden now <laughs> there's nothing there. So that, that, that's, that's troubling to me. At least me. we kept Devers. Well, at least we kept Devers, right? <laughs> There's one guy we did keep who we're going to get to see play about a 15, 20-year career in Boston. So Correct. that's at least nice. Which really is a shame that we don't get to see him, but uh, more of the guys. So one of the things Tommy and I do is um, we really look at um, – we do the Mount Rushmore but, and, and, and look at uh, comparisons. So what I really want to do – we talked about this a little bit earlier at home is the, the five sports. There's Because you're a big um, international soccer guy, so I, 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 I love this discussion that we can have. So we've got baseball, football, basketball, hockey, and soccer, professional soccer. So we talked about it. What do you what what where how do you rank those as is, is the importance of the coach? Well, I, I'll always say soccer, just because I think soccer. If you pay attention to the sport, and if you're listening to this episode, you probably don't care about soccer. But if you pay attention to the sport, the managers in soccer, the top managers, are as famous as the players. They're as they're as known. They're as talked about. They're as uh, criticized and not criticized and all that. They get all the credit. They get all the blame as much as the players do. So I think in soccer, more than any sport, the manager matters the most. He he teaches the team how to play. He installs you know his style of play, gets them to do what he wants. It, I just think soccer is the one sport where the manager gives you the most impact. Second, I would say football. And after that, it's hard to say. I don't really know because I know everyone hated the Celtics coach this year, but look where they went. Right, so that's can, true. That's true. Joe, Joe did get them that far. So, so, so does so. So that kind of makes if if you hate Joe Missoula, you can't make an argument that coaching the NBA is the most important. You're right. I think again we have to define it as I I'm I'm going with professional football. We're, we're talking about professional here, not not the college level. We, we can't really have we can't really include soccer because we can't talk about it. At, at that well, we can. You could, you no, could use you your expertise. We I can't like have your, an argument though about it, like because it's it's, it's forget soccer. So uh, no, I don't want to forget soccer because I think you have a good point, I, and I, we have to listen to your point. Not that I have to agree with it because I don't know that the high level of soccer that that manager has. To me, is the manager as important as the coach, the head coach of a pro football team? I'm saying the football is a little bit, a little bit above the soccer. I'll give you soccer second because I really think that in baseball, it's all how he handles players in the clubhouse. You know how many how many times a baseball manager have to make a, you, you screw up once every ten decisions, and you can't help it because it's all about your talent. Hockey and ba- basketball, I think, but is, that, is that's what you say it's all about your talent. A lot of the managers are involved in the transfer policy of their football clubs, so they pick their talent specifically. They can pick anything. Every other sport, all you do is draft. You can't just pick talent. Well, you can draft, and you can trade, and you can sign free agents. So, but so you, you have, can't you have pick to have an talent impact like you can in soccer. They okay. pick. They pick their the managers and the football directors, which is the general managers. They pick their talent. They specifically can pick which players they want to go attack and target and get on their teams. 
where in football, baseball, and American sports, you can't just go, hey, I want. So there's a difference. You know what? I like Logan Gilbert. Let me go pay him and get him. And so And they're making all those decisions. The manager, if you make the wrong decisions and spend the wrong money on the wrong players, see ya. So in other words, if you're the manager of Manchester United and you go out and sign your good buddy Ronaldo, uh, that was a mistake, and and, and so so that not the manager's fault. Not the manager's fault. No, he didn't have a say. In so that. you just tell me the manager's a say, and now he doesn't have a say. It depends. I said not all managers. Uh, <laughs> I knew I'd trap you with we, that. We, uh, I got lucky and got to see him play too, so I, I can't complain. But again, managers. So like basketball. Again, you talk about instant. That's actually a good point because I, I don't. I, I guess I was kind of talking in a circle there because I don't know what the argument is for soccer. I get that. Uh, I don't know how to make my argument, I guess I'm saying, as to why it's so important. Well, we'll bring it, you back. It is. We'll, we'll keep coming back to it because I think it's a really— I, I think, didn't plan for this. I think it's a really good uh, discussion point because everyone sees it differently because I think at the professional level, it's so much different, though, as you go down a level, what impact does a coach have? In college, it's different, and, in, and, and even we go down to high school. To me, in, in college and high school, it's all about talent. I mean, you could— you could be an average coach with great talent, and you're not. You can't really screw it up too bad. Whereas in the professional, if you have great talent and you screw it up, it's 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 there to be seen. You can, like I said, Nick Saban always said, it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmys and the Joes. So again, I don't know enough about Premier League soccer um, or or soccer on a national on an international level to be able to speak to the manager. I like I said, I if I rank them, I'm going to go football. I go football. Uh, soccer, basketball, hockey, baseball, in that order, because I think baseball managers are really, at the, at the at the professional level, are getting a lot of data information from the front office now, and they've really it's really about managing your your people, just like in in the real world we live in, and how do you manage your talent? So, um, we're we're pretty much close. How do you go? So you go soccer, football, what? I I I, I can't speak again. This is like you speaking on football. I can't speak on. Uh, well, just this make is like you speak on soccer. I can't speak on hockey. I so can't. I don't. Yeah. I don't know where I. I don't know what a hockey coach does. I know they dump and chase, and they have like like soccer. They have a specific play style they're going to implement that they they the way they want their team to play the game. All I could. I I've heard dump and chase. That's about it. Uh, so so what you're saying is in reality three four of the five sports the coach is trying is to two though basketball so you're right. basically so yeah. four of the five they trying to implement uh, uh their what their vision of the game whereas baseball is such an individual sport that. You know, your, your vision of the game might be, I want you to take the first pitch. Okay, I, got, I, I, I think we can go with that. Hockey, I just, you're right. We, we're just two stupid guys who don't know much about hockey. Um, but we'll have to get a hockey expert in here someday to, to educate us yeah, on all that. All I got is dump and chase. What's a, do you know another, like, style, like a uh, play style, a hockey well, style? Well, another like style a, was to muck up the center so that nobody could get any offense. The New Jersey Devils, I know that Lou, uh, Lou Lamorello would muck up the middle, and they won, like, two or three. Does that still changes. work, though, in 2023? Uh, no, because I think they've changed some of the rules, the holding, and stuff. you can't really slow them down. So th what happens is the leagues, in order, I, I think, like, back to baseball, is the pitch clock and the timing, that's really made the game more, you know, the socks are more exciting, but the game's more exciting, and then more is happening. A lot more watchable. Them. Right, and I think with hockey... And even, even basketball at the time, Jack's looking around the studio like he's not on, on the air. I think with basketball and hockey um, and, 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 and football, they've changed the rules to get more offense, and I haven't done that right now with international soccer. So uh, that's, that's a good discussion to have. Maybe we'll get Tommy back. I bet you he says basketball is number one because those players have to listen to coach because they don't know any better. Nah, he would say football. Yeah, I think you're right. Football, he would go with that. Um, we usually generally do a Mount Rushmore uh, in our um, segments of time. Uh, so today, um, 
Let's go with two. I'm going to do two different Mount Rushmore's. Football, Mount Rushmore. Um, right. We're not going to do Mount Rushmore because that's too little. If we're doing what I think you're doing and you're, you want to do football, college football stadiums. College, well, first of all, college football stadiums, what, what, where have you been to see college so football? So we're going we're gonna, to, instead of Mount Rushmore, which is four, we're going to do our seven wonders of the world. Ah, that's so our, good. Hey, seven, so, so we're going to have to change the name of the show. So we could change. We could, we could bring Tommy in to do that, uh, the show we've seen enough, and now we can do it all boils down to this as our show. Yeah, so I, I'm more of a promoter. We'll do the seven wonders of college football. Stadiums. Okay, so let me ask you a question. How many colleges? That way we can pick because four. There's okay, a lot of college. Okay, seven, pick, okay. There's Let's, only two of us. We need more than eight stadiums. Okay, so so seven wonders of college football, um, of college football. And if I get me back on, I'd love so, to do seven wonders. So, so we do this as like a draft format. I we'll just go. No, Let's we'll just, do it. Well, you have to because you got to pick. Well, you'll pick. Who do you pick? Okay, who do but you pick I, number I, one? So who has the number one pick, me or you? Because I think. I think both of our number one picks are the same, right? Age before beauty. No, um, you go first. Do yeah. we have the same number one pick? Uh, I don't know. All right, my number one pick's the Rose Bowl. Yeah, because I would almost go. Yeah, I, I would now go. I, I'm, I'm very nostalgic with, with the Rose. I just think it's a great place. Uh, one of my favorite college football games I ever watched. I haven't. Let really me guess. Can I guess? Yeah. USC, Penn State. No. Sam Darnold. Oh, that's oh. actually a good one. Oh, remember that one? It's not my favorite game I watched, <laughs> but I'll never forget going into school after that game and just. Just okay. telling it okay. like Sam Darnold's gonna be the best quarterback of all time. Because What's your favorite that was game? One of, the most, the, one of my favorite games I ever saw was at the Rose Bowl, and it was the national 2013 national championship, uh, Florida State versus Auburn. Okay, it was uh, the year that Florida State just had a juggernaut of the team. If you look up their roster, they had a bunch of All Pro NFL talent on that team, as well as the Heisman Trophy winner and, and Jameis Winston. And that was also the year where Auburn had the they had made the um, national championship game because of the kick six yes. against Alabama, which was one of the best games in college football history. And it was just a real, real competitive, close game in Florida State. James Winston led them on a drive at the end of the game to win the game. It was just a very entertaining game. And I just think, just the scene when the sun sets there, yep. it's just on the mount. It's just a very beautiful college football stadium. Now so we've actually my we've actually we've Bowl. actually been there when there's no football game outside. So we could probably go see UCLA because UCLA plays their home games. Now they're in the Big Ten. They might be good. Let's go to the Rose Bowl. Let's go to the Rose Bowl. Put that on the bucket All right, list. So my so the number one pick is um, – give you the Rose. writing this down? Okay. Uh, now he's going to make me write it down. I got uh, the what, pen. You and Tommy T just rattle things off. You oh, don't we draft. just rattle it off. I don't draft. Dra- well, well, Jack takes the – But I pick – now you can't pick the Rose Bowl. I can't pick the Rose Bowl. And okay. then look, we'll – our, all okay, of our so listeners, all of our, all of our, uh, all of our listeners can pick whose is better. All fifteen. All huh? of our listeners. Now, I'm not pandering because if I were to pander, we were to say what? The Rose Bowl is not a pandering pick to the gen. Say we had a hundred thousand people listen. I don't think everyone agrees with me on the Rose Bowl. I think like a pandering pick would be like, oh, Notre Dame Stadium. Well, or, yeah. You know that. That's I'm a not taking Notre Dame pick. second, by the way. Okay, I know. Gonna, what, I know what he's taking second. Uh, he knows. I'm going to take Michigan Stadium because it's just that again, it's just like the Rose Bowl. It's built deep into the ground. Um, I've never been there. I've, I've seen the Rose Bowl. I've never actually been to Michigan Stadium. We do have to get out there. And, and I think one of the reasons for Michigan is just because the way it's structured, um, it, it totally destroys uh, the horseshoe at Ohio State because they rebuilt the horseshoe to make it uh, a circular, put more people in. So I'll go with Michigan number two. Again, it would be nice to see um, a tough little game in, in the stadium. But uh, I'll go Michigan number two. So you're going to get the next pick. Who's your second pick? I'm trying a bit of a blank thinking here. Just or do we I have, have a ton of stadiums, or but I'm go, trying oh. to think of if there's one I want to. Uh, that, that you want to go to. This is something you want to see a game. Well, in. I've already. You've already the seen place I'm going to pick is, is I'm going to probably pick Beaver Stadium at Penn State. I've already I've seen a, a Temple. 
Penn State game there that was first or se- uh, one of them was like the third week of this. I think they actually both were around the third week of the season. No, the one was in one November. Was, was about, remember, it was about 10 degrees. Uh, yeah, you're right. Zero. It was freezing cold. Those so dudes were my homies the, there. And, and, and then I saw Temple. But those aren't full out, full on sellouts. And that stadium, the way that it's built, it seats 110,000 people. I would like to talk about the Penn State. I would like to see a night whiteout game at Beaver Stadium. In, okay. Um, yeah, that in, would be fun uh, to see against Ohio State Park? or Michigan. What's it no, called? it's University, Uni- Park. University State College, Pennsylvania. State University College. Park. That's what it was. That's what I was looking for. So yeah, we've so seen I, a couple games Beaver. up there. So uh, is that, you're going to take Beaver Stadium. I'm going to go to the um, to the SEC here, and I know you disagree with me, but I'm going to go with LSU because I love to see a night game at LSU at night. You, if you can, if you can make a uh, uh, an, an addendum for the Beaver Stadium, I'm going to go to the SEC LSU at night just to see the the craziness of how that world works because it beats Brian, uh, Denny, uh, Brian Denny Stadium. So I'm going to go with LSU as my second. So I got Michigan LSU. You got Rose Bowl Beaver Stadium. I wish I had a list in front of me because I don't want to forget anything. I don't have a list in front of me either. No, I know, but I'm, I'm just trying to think of my... So my go go east to west. Uh, do you have anybody in the southeast? I know you had two or three you really wanted in the south mm-hmm. southlands. Um, there's another one in the west coast. Uh, there's a couple here in the northeast as well. You know, so and and that, that you have maybe been to or not. You know what? I'm gonna continue the trend of just picking massive stadiums, and I'm gonna go to uh, is it Kyle Field? Kyle Field, Texas A&M. Yep. They got the the what is? I don't know if they're called. They're not called cadets. There are they? They are cadets. They are cadets. So they got the military. They come in. It's just a cool thing. The sixth man, right? I'm kidding. Yeah, I they, made that mistake yeah. last. That twelfth man. Now that's good. So you got Kyle Field. So you want to see the cadets? Um, I'm gonna go with the uh, Coliseum, out in L.A. Uh, just because of the the immenseness of it and the UCLA coming in and the dun, 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 whatever they do, they're, they're marching and they got the guy riding in as the, as the, as the Trojan. So I'm going to go with the Coliseum in L.A. That'll be another I, one. I'm starting to think seven actually might have been too much. Yeah, see, you yeah, get cocky like this, see? <laughs> There's a lot more. We, we talked about a lot more. So go, I'm going to let you go. Um, pick one. Okay, so I have two right now. No, I have three. I have, the, I have Penn State. I have um, Rose Bowl, and I have Kyle Field. Kyle Field. And I got <laughs> Michigan, LSU, and Coliseum. I'm LA. not pandering. Um, you know what? You are pandering. You know what? I pandering. am going to pander. Pander. You know why? Because I'm taking Notre Dame Stadium. I knew you'd go Touchdown there. Touchdown Jesus. I, was, I don't really like it that much, but you know what? It, Touchdown right. Jesus. That's all I'll say. I was going to go there, too, but you know what? I'll give you that one. And uh, we. I also had a very funny experience there with a guy who was on a lot of drugs next to me and passed out. Yes, that was the uh, again. Jay Trev went to that game, right? We had yep. Jay Trev, Kevin, and Chris as well. Um, but lucky for me, uh, Jack and I have both seen two Temple games there. Unlucky for us, they were both the both games were the first games of each coaching career for Matt Rule. It was Matt Rule's first game, yep. and then it was uh, Jeff Collins's first game. And Collins, they both picked their own quarterbacks, and that's the way life goes. But yeah, Notre Dame. I think the Notre Dame experience to me. Not just like you talk about the blackout, the Notre Dame experience, everything we do on that Saturday before the game, it really, it's, it's probably like that at Michigan, probably like that at Kyle Field. And in reality, it is somewhat like that at, at, at Penn State. So I will give you that. Um, I'm going to take um, Tennessee next. Rocky Top. Oh, oh. I'm going to take Tennessee. I would have taken that over Kyle Field. Uh, See, that's why if I Why had would that, you have taken uh, You love ten, Kyle Field No, earlier. no, because no, you, Rocky Top. No, Rocky the game top. that they played, if you the game that they played this year against Alabama that they won, that was one of the greatest atmospheres I've ever seen in a college Yeah, football uh, that's right. So if I had a computer in front of me with the list of stadiums, oh I would God, not have missed that. Oh, my God, you would have picked that? You yeah. were going that over Notre Dame Stadium? 
No, I would have gone over that. I would have went with that third. I probably would have went with that over um, Penn State even. Yeah, yeah. I we, don't know. we talked about that last night. That's a, that's a very good value pick right there. What's the name of that stadium? I forget. Tough time. What is that? Uh, crap. I'll try to think of it. This is what happens when you have a brain injury. Is oh, Neyland LSU? Neyland. No, Neyland's them. Oh, it is? Neyland's okay. them, yeah. Uh, and Ellis, and then you're next. So you're going to so get. So each have four. This is number five. We can probably do two more. We can get to six. No, we'll do seven. I'm going to take. Um, I'm going to take Doak Campbell Stadium just FSU, because, like baby. I say, I'm a, I'm a Florida State fan, and this would be a night game where um, I don't want to be insensitive here, but uh, I think it's Chief Osceola. It's not insensitive because the Seminoles. No, I'm trying to get his name right, Chief Osceola, and the in like uh, Renegade, the horse. Yeah, they, they slam down, slam the, the spike, and everyone's doing the, the everyone's doing the. Well, chop. that's a little insensitive. The no, chop. it's not. Oh, it, it's insensitive. not at Florida State. It's not, but. Um, it's uh, it's insensitive when you go to when you randomly go to a World Series game to do it just That's to be true. insensitive That's about true. it. So you took FSU. So right now you got the Rose Bowl, Beaver Stadium, Kyle Field, Notre Dame Stadium, FSU Stadium. I got Michigan. Doke Campbell. Doke Campbell. I call that at Bobby Bowden Field. Oh geez. And they have to be doing the chop, and it has and to they be. They will do it, and it has to be Osceola with Renegade doing the spike. And they will be doing that is, it again. I'm just picking things that I think are very, I'm gonna go with, very cool to witness I'm gonna go, atmospherically. I'm going to go way out west again. I am going to go with the University of Washington Stadium, which I've been to without a game, where they it's right on the lake, and the boats come up, and the people watch. It's like a horseshoe, and you can see the city of Seattle out the one side. So I'm going to go with Washington Stadium out there for my fifth pick. You've got another one, Jack. Who I'm going to stick with hand signals in south, and I'm going to go with the swamp, Florida. When they come out and everyone's doing the chop, like not the chop, the uh, actually it is the chop. So it's a different. It's a different chop. It's a different it's version alligator. of the chop that they do. Yeah, so it's yeah, alligator. I'm gonna. I, I like. We've been there. We went there. We just toured Florida with uh, my older sister. Toured Florida for yeah. some reason. Because we she was, the, she applied to Florida. Uh, I, I, she wanted to be a gay. Okay, she was never gonna go to Florida. <laughs> but we went in the stadium, and it was just it was it was pretty cool looking stadium. And again, that's one of those stadiums that when Florida's good with Tebow and Meyer and Aaron Hernandez. That stadium's going crazy. Okay, I'm going with Death Valley, which is uh, Clemson. That's I'd love to see them touch the rock. I love to see them, you know. So we're at six. We're going to go on. We'll mention for the seven, but I'm going to I'm going to take uh, Clemson. I think that from the Danny Ford days of the late '70s to Dabo uh, Sweeney days today, it's just again. I think you go to these places, and that's the whole towns there, and and the atmosphere that you get from it is um, is really uh, kind of in- enjoyable. We'll say so. So let's just recap, and I'm going to give you – we'll get one more. It can be whatever. It doesn't have to be a cathedral of stadium. So you have Rose Bowl, Beaver, Kyle Field, Notre Dame Stadium, Doak Campbell, and the Swamp in Florida. I got Michigan Stadium. I got LSU at night. I got um, the Coliseum in L.A. I got Tennessee. I got uh, University of Washington, and I got Death Valley in, in, in it. Give, I'm give me one put, more wild card. So we are – we are. I'm going up to um, Maine with my friends, and we are picking up Justin Trevisania's house tonight. So if I do get there and see Tommy Trevisani, I'm going to show him our two lists and have him pick which one's better. He's not a big college football guy, though. Okay, Tommy. so we have one more pick. Um, it can be anything. I'll, I'll let you because I a have real, a couple ideas. There, there's one. I know you don't like it, and you know what? I'm not going to pick it. Just for the setting, you can say it. I'm not going to. I'll survive. Just. I was thinking about picking the horseshoe, but nah. I'm going to go with. This is the wild card. I'm seven. Go because it can be anything. You could pick the link. The greatest college no, I, football I gotta, game you ever saw was no, at the link. Look, the only reason I'm going to pick this is because I know you're about to pick it. You're not going to pick it. Okay, ready? Yeah. Army. <laughs> I was. I love. I love how he thinks. I. I don't know him. <laughs> I knew. It's so. It's that's the fun. You don't even know. You're not going to pick it. Yeah. Okay. You don't. 
I love how he thought I wouldn't What's pick What's the that. name of the stadium? I'm not picking it. Because I let you pick it. Wait, I'm no, not going to pick it. I'm picking Franklin Field anyway. No, I don't want to pick it, but okay. I just want to point out that that was okay. hilarious. Okay, so listen. I'm going to take... You don't even know the name of our I'm going to take... Um, okay, go. I'm going to take the the other horseshoe kind of, Texas. Ugh, Texas. No, you know what? I'm going Army. I'm going Give me on. Army. Give me Army? Yeah, that's going to get I got Army and Kyle Field. You're not going to beat the military. Well, I could I take, well, you could go to Annapolis, but I don't like Annapolis Stadium, so I'll, I'll pass on that. Uh, boy, oh, boy. that Army, he's right. Army Army would have been my next You're pick. And as pick. we're running running close on time here, I got I to gotta hustle up. Um, so I got Michigan. I got LSU. I got Columbia. What part of the country don't I have? I don't really have the East Coast, right? You know, I'm going to go on oh, the East Coast. Yeah. I'm going to go like Philadelphia. The, I've seen games. So here's here's what the deal. I've seen games at the Vet, which no longer exists. I've seen games at Lincoln Financial Field, which exists. I've seen games at Franklin Field. I've seen games at the Carrier Dome. I've seen games at BC. I've seen games at Rutgers and all those. If I had to pick of those five, I would go with the, the more historical Franklin Field at on the University of Penn campus. I'm going to go with that one mm-hmm. as my seventh pick. And I'm sure we missed a ton of schools. Like Baylor built a new new stadium, stuff like that. But probably I, I just have a pop in my head that I forgot. Yeah, yeah. we always oh, forget. This is a they. What about um? This isn't a football stadium, but they played the Virginia Tech game a couple of years ago, maybe like six, seven years ago at uh, one of the NASCAR. Where, where was that? Oh about? yeah, yeah, I've been there. They had like one hundred fifty thousand people there. What? Where was that? What NASCAR? In Virginia, uh, I have no uh, idea. Yeah, I'm not a big. NASCAR like we fan. know our our auto racing. We'll call up Dave Heilman. Yeah, there you go. He'll he'll answer that. So again, um, we got our fields. Um, it was good to, um, to go through. Uh, Tommy, if you're listening, Rose Bowl, Beaver Stadium, Kyle Field, Notre Dame Stadium, Dope Campbell at FSU, the Swamp at Florida, and Army Stadium, Mitchie Stadium. It's Mitchie, by the way. And, and that's Jack. I got Michigan, LSU at night, the Coliseum in L.A., Tennessee, Washington, University of Washington out in Seattle, Death Valley in Clemson, and Franklin Field in Philadelphia. So those are my picks. Um, and as we run out of running up on time, Jack, it's been great having you on. We got to get you and all the boys on here more regularly. Um, I, I can also promote um, WCTV, the studio here. We now do simulcasting, so this eventually will be on the air. I was going to have to smile for everybody. And, and any, any last words? One more thing. Um, so you asked me my biggest heartbreak as a Red Sox fan. Yes. I'm going to say, excluding these three, because I know there are three that probably stand above everything else, excluding Bucky Dent, 86, and Aaron Boone. What's your biggest Red Sox heartbreak? Mine is. <laughs> it's funny. We have to exclude three, like, insanely is, bad ones. To be honest with you, it's uh, 1975. Andrew Levin? No. 1975 <laughs> against the Reds. Um, I remember watching. Game seven? Game seven. I remember game six. My father, your, your pop-up, was in, um, in, uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, on business. And John, my brother, older brother John, and my mom, and I watched the game in, our, in the old family room down the old house. And John... Carbo hits the home run. John goes to bed. Fisk hits the home run. It's, 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 what was your reaction to the home fix, Fisk home just run? A, just it's euphoria, right? And the next night, you think, oh, my God, we're actually going to win. They take a 3 nothing lead on a Fred Lynn home run in the first. And the and um, as this, my father forever will hate Bill Lee for this. He throws the Ephus pitch, and Tony Perez just absolutely you think about annihilating a ball. He absolutely annihilates the ball of the wall. It's probably not the only reason he hates Bill Lee. <laughs> <laughs> And then you've got um, they lose in the ninth, the little blue pit, and that was hard because that was the one that was close to being tough. And I think 03, um, because I was older. Well, I, that was with part of Boone. The, that was part of the exclusion. Oh, so I now, so I said Boone. the three, rank those three: 78, 86, 
oh three. If I had to guess, it would be eighty six. I would say I would say oh three and then seventy. No, I would go. That's hard. That is hard. Seventy eight might be different because of your age. Seventy eight. I was sixteen years old and Yaz popped out and I broke a chair and you know what? That's hard. I broke a chair. Yeah. Get in trouble. Well, we had a, what we called the coma chair that ended up up here, and, and the um, you can see on the TV here the uh, the footrest. When he has it to run, I, I jumped out of the chair so bad, the leg, I kicked it, and it broke the lever. I don't know. That's a good question. I oh, oh, I, I don't know if I can rank them. I think that— Is it, is it 03, actually? No. Was, uh, they were so—they were— but then again, I could say they were so close in 86, but in 03, they were so close, too. And it was even—that was— that was 17 years after. You know what's funny? If torture, I can explain torture, it, because if, if, in, in, in 78, they had the big lead and they blew it, and they came back and won like eight of their last games, eight straight games to win to get to the playoffs. And then Goose Gossage was dominant. Reggie Jackson's a home run. Lou Pinello gets lucky in right field. The world was totally against us. That hurt because of my age. 86 hurt because we were this close to winning the whole thing. So probably 86 had the it would number well, one. Yeah. And then 03 was just tr- it was unbelievably traumatic because of everything that happened. So it's hard. Right I, out of the I, commercial, too. It's hard. Yeah, right out, right out of the commercial. Boom. I remember walking to the front of the house and just looking out the front window. And we hadn't put the additional yet. And just I was, like, stunned for, like, an hour and a half. And I know we talked to your mom. I go up to bed, and, and, and I have to tell her that we lost. And it was probably, that was probably the traumatic, most traumatic month of, of baseball for me. And then 04 makes, makes up for a lot. Yeah, of that's it. the thing about 03 is it, it, it adds to the story of 04. Correct. Exactly. It makes right. the 04 story even Correct. better. It makes the 3 0 comeback. It's like, well, it's not only just the 3 0 comeback, it's the, Aaron, the Pedro got left in the game and Aaron Boone home run adds on to that. Everything. So it makes it better. All right. In the long run. Jack, we'll have to do this again because it's been fun as we run up on uh, 55 minutes, which is like a new record for Tommy and I. So, again, uh, appreciate having Jack in. Uh, Phil for Tommy, um, it's, if, if, there, if there are guys out there, Jack's friends, you want to start some kind of podcasting here at the studio, it's always open, WCTV. Contact either uh, or Sam or Lisa here at the studio, and they'll be more than willing to help you set up. Jack, we're going to have to keep going with this because yeah. there's a lot of good conversations. So for um, check out the uh, specialist and failure podcast on uh, Apple Apple Music and Spotify. No, we're gonna have to get specialists and failure <laughs> podcast to do I'm it out of to do it out of this studio because we're in good shape. So um, you want like we've seen enough. Is that this one is is, is we could get that on. So for uh, Tommy Trevisani, who's not here, I should show the empty chair. Jack Boyle has been a great guest uh, filling in. Um, I'm your host uh, uh, Jim Boyle. Thanks for joining us on We've Seen Enough, and we'll see you on down the road. Thanks for listening to this episode of We've Seen Enough, recorded at WCTV Studios in beautiful downtown Wilmington, Massachusetts. If you'd like to get in touch, offer topics to discuss, or stump us with sports trivia, we can be reached via email at jboyle22 at comcast.net. That's jboyle22 at comcast.net. Along with Tom Trevisani, I'm Jim Boyle. Make sure to tune into the next edition of We've Seen Enough.